Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. It's great to be able to It's great to be able to be together every Sunday, but particularly this Pentecost Sunday. I'm just expecting for what the Holy Spirit's wanting to to do in lives. And um, you don't have to worry. I don't think that I've suddenly got the Billy, not Billy, who is it? Who's the the guy that always carries the handkerchief? No, there's someone else who throws it. Benny Hinn, the Benny Hinn anointing. I'm not going to throw my towel at you. It's actually that I've got sick by fever, and, uh, and so I might be sweating a bit but we'll say it's the anointing and the Holy Spirit moving, burning out all infections. So we'll, we'll do that. But you might see me using my towel during the message. Um, it's just always an awesome moment to be able to just recognize what God has done in giving the gift, the promise of his Holy Spirit, and what that means for you and for me. You see, the Holy Spirit was given after the finished work of Christ to empower us to be able to carry out the unfinished work of the church. And the unfinished work of the church is to make known the finished work of Christ. And so we need the Holy Spirit to empower us for that. And um, I want to show a video clip that might help South Africans recognize the importance of power and how we often don't value what we have until it's gone. So let's just put a quick video clip on the screen. It says, when you forgot that load shedding starts in five minutes. Is that anyone else's household? At about 10 to 6 this morning, Leanne was up and active and Mitch and Amberly because our power was going off at 6 and everyone wanted tea or coffee and rusks and so there was a lot of activity. But you don't realize what you have until it's gone and the value of what that is. And load shedding, when we look at it, it helps us to really understand what it means to be affected in our ability to do that which we need to do, like make coffee and like make tea. That, that's an that's a important thing in some South African households. But what does it mean if we look and we think, you know, the power in my life, is it there? Is it active? Is it moving? And particularly when we're saying that, I'm meaning about the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this question. What would, and we can put it on the screen, what would happen if the Holy Spirit was no longer available in your life? Think about it. What would happen if the Holy Spirit was no longer available in your life? Would you even notice and would those around you notice? Uh, we need to take stock of that. A.W. Tozer said it this way, if we can put the next slide up. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would probably just go on and no one would know the difference. But if the same Holy Spirit had withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would notice the difference. And so there's something about when we study the New Testament and the the early church that was 
birthed in the fire of Pentecost by the breath of the Spirit, carrying them forth into all that they are called to, there's something that we realize of how utterly dependent they were on the moving, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's this realization that to be fully who God has called me to be, to do what he's called me to do, and to accomplish the purpose that he has for me, not just me individually, but for us as a church, we have to be allowing for the Holy Spirit's life in our life. And as we look in the Old Testament, the word for Holy Spirit was the word ruach, which means a wind or a gale. In the New Testament, it's the word pneuma, which means a breath of air, someone breathing on us. As we know that the Father breathed on Adam, and we know that also in that moment, the breath of heaven came down upon the church that we're celebrating today in Pentecost. And this word wind is significant as we look at breath and wind, because it helps us to understand the working of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 3, as he is trying to explain to religious leaders how the Holy Spirit works, what he does, and who he is, he said this in John 3 verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And in Acts 2, we see this picture of a mighty rushing wind that comes upon those gathered in the upper room, and the commentaries will tell you it would have sounded like a freight train. That's the understanding of what was taking place. This mighty rushing wind. And you might think, well, well Lord, why did you have to come as a wind? What, what does that have to do with anything? And I, I really believe it's the picture, and we can put the next, the next slide up, and, and I love this. It says unfurled, and you just see the wind filling and billowing in those sails. But really, it's this picture of the church And it's this picture of us as individuals being like a sailboat, where we allow ourselves to be positioned and postured for the winds of the Spirit, not only to fill us, but to carry us everywhere we need to go. And here's the thing, when you might have a sailboat and you might spend money on it, you might paint it, you might expend great resource on it, trying to get it ready for voyage in the sea. But if there's no wind, that sailboat isn't going anywhere. You, you might have, as I said, bought the biggest one with the, the, the brightest trimming. I, I don't know how to explain it, but here's the thing. When you're on the water, what counts is not just being on the water. What counts is your ability to catch the wind because that's the power that carries you. I've got a good friend um, who's just bought himself a great boat. It's not a sailboat. It's not a yacht. It's, a, it's, called a bay, it's actually one up on a bayliner, and uh, he's got a chair and... and, and um, at the harbor, and uh, he wanted to take it out. It was gonna be the first time, and he was fixing it up and getting it ready, and uh, he had bought new rods for it and had got it uh, painted, and this thing looks phenomenal, and he was sending me photos and saying, sorry, you can't join me, it was last weekend. And I said, well, send me pics, and I had a picture of them all on the boat, ready to go, but guess what? The batteries weren't charged. It wasn't going anywhere. And in the same way, if we wanna catch the winds of the Spirit, we've got to unfurl our sails so that we can allow Him just to carry us where we're called to go. And here's the thing about wind. Wind is both non-physical, it's not a physical thing, yet it's tangible. You can't actually grab wind or take hold of wind, yet you can experience it, you can feel it, and you can sense it. And Jesus is saying, "So so is it with the Holy Spirit. It's not physical, but it's tangible. You can't physically see Him or take hold of Him, And yet you can sense him. You can recognize his working and his presence. You can experience him in your life. And you can experience him ministering to others through your life. There's something about who he is that though not physical is tangible. 
And this picture of the Holy Spirit can be a little bit uncomfortable, especially if you're a bit of a controller. If you like to say, no, I'm going to determine, I'm going to decide, I'm going to make things happen myself. Because there's an unpredictability about wind. There's a wildness to wind. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes, Jesus is saying. And here's the thing. You can't uh, catch it. You can't grasp it. You can't leash it. You can maybe take a little jar and you can hold it up against the wind, put a cork in, and maybe try and catch some of the wind. But the moment wind is contained, it is no longer wind. It is just air. And air can sustain you. It might just keep you alive. But air isn't going to fill the sails and carry that yacht across waters to distant shorelines. Uh, Air is not going to allow the eagle to soar on the thermals and the currents. Air is not going to allow the the windmill's mast to experience the dynamic of generating power. No, you need there to be wind for those things to take place. And so it steps out of our boundary of what I can control and allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way. But I want to take it a step further just to really bring the heartbeat of what Jesus was saying. And we'll see this in in some verses a little bit later. But if all, here's the challenge. If all we ever do is think about the Holy Spirit as an energy or as a force without understanding the person of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to be challenged in our relationship with him. Because when we reduce him to a force, we can't receive him as a friend. And there's something beautiful about knowing who the Holy Spirit is to us as friend, closer than a brother, that we can know the one who's called the paraclete who walks with us, comforts us, guards us, leads us, encourages us, edifies us, challenges us, convicts us, but gives us grace to step into all that we call to walk in. He is the wisest, kindest, most generous, most loving, most committed, brilliant friend that you can ever have. He'll never abandon you or leave you. He is always toward you and is drawing near to help you for whatever you might be going through. And we see Jesus mentioning this as we go through the scriptures. And in John chapters 14 to 16, we actually see that Jesus is coming to the end of his time on earth. And so he wants to really encourage those who have been following him and walking with him because as he's journeyed with them, there's been this dependence on one another. But now's coming the moment where he knows it's gonna be tough, they're gonna be challenged because he's leaving. But this is what he says to them. He says to them, although I'm leaving, you'll not be left. Although I'm leaving, you'll not be left. And you can think, well, what does that mean? And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. That's really what he's saying. It's this parent of a picture, and, uh, a par- sorry, it's this picture of a parent with their children. And uh, you know, when children are left, there's three basic things they always wanna know when the parents are heading off somewhere. Uh, if, you, if you've got a, a youngster, you'll know I've got an eight-year-old, and this is what he wants to know. He wants to know, where are you going, mom and dad? When are you coming back? What time? And who is going to look after us when you're gone? More than that, he's wondering who is going to look after us and be able to turn on the router, the Netflix, or whatever else might be uh, uh, very important to him at that moment. Where are you going? When are you coming back? And who is going to look after us when you're gone? John 14, 16 to 17 says this, Jesus answering the question that would have been innate in their hearts. And he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. Really, we know that when we come into truth, the truth sets you free. So he's leading you into all truth, never gonna lie to you, never gonna lead you astray, but he's also leading you into freedom. 
the freedom of knowing what it means to live in your identity as a son or daughter of God. And when he says, I'm going to give you another advocate, there's two words for advocate if you look in the Greek. The one is heteros, and it means I'm going to give you another of a different sort. But here's what Jesus says when he says, I'm leaving, but you'll not be left. He's saying, I'm going to give you another, and it's the word alos, I'm going to give you another of the exact same kind. Everything you've experienced of my goodness and my kindness and my love and my grace and the truth that I live in because we know he came full of grace and truth, everything that you've experienced in me, Jesus is saying, you're going to have available to you in the one that I'm sending. And it's this promise of the Holy Spirit. In John 16 verse 7, John, uh, Jesus actually says that it's better that he goes. You might think, no, but Jesus, you've been raising the dead and casting out demons and feeding us when there was nothing to eat. I mean, how can it be better that you go? And he says, it's going to be better for you if you can go to the next slide. Because here's the thing, God in you is better than God beside you. God in you is better than God beside you. Knowing God's presence and power inside of you is better than just knowing God's presence and power beside you. I mean, that's great. Uh, I do want to know those and walk with those alongside, but his life in me, not only the life of Jesus that I get to journey with him, but I get to know his transforming life in me, forming me into all that he's called me to be. That's the beauty of what Jesus is saying. And sometimes we get into this mindset, you know, but you know, they're the heroes of the faith and these great men and women from the Old Testament. And we don't get to live in all that they lived. You know, you read the Old Testament in some dramatic and radical and some terrifying things are taking place. Sometimes you think, you know, I'd love to go back and maybe when I'm in heaven one day and say to them, you know, how was it for you uh, when you experienced God's presence in this situation? Maybe it's like um, a question you might want to ask is Moses. And you might want to say to Moses, what was it like as you were hidden in that cave, as the glory of God passed by you with the lightnings and the, and the rumblings and all that was taking place? What was that like? And Moses might want to respond to you and me today. And he might want to say, well, what was it like for you that you didn't have to climb a mountain to experience God's presence, but that every step you took at every moment, his presence was in you, with you, and empowering you? What is that like? Or maybe it's Elijah, and we want to say, Elijah, what was it like to call down fire on Mount, Car uh, Mount Carmel and to know God's presence when that person was raised from the dead? And maybe Elijah would say, you know, I went through moments, which he did, of discouragement and depression and when I despaired of life. But what is it like for you, me and you today, what is it like for you to not only know that he can have the power to raise the dead, which I experienced, but to know his resurrection life and presence working in you, infusing you with peace and the ability to persevere? What, what is it like to experience that? Elijah might ask us. Because God's presence and power inside you is better than just knowing God's presence and power beside you. And that's what's happening at Pentecost. And that's the, the statement Jesus makes when he says, it's better for you. And Jesus is about to ascend, he's about to, to head up and he's encouraging those that are nearest to him, his disciples. Acts 1, 3 to 5, and he says this, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once when he is eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that was promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized 
with the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, verse 48 to 49 puts it this way. Listen carefully. I'm sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you, but you are to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed, which means fully equipped with power from on high, from heaven, the power of heaven at work in you, upon you, and through you. And Jesus is telling the disciples, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, wait for this moment because it's gonna transform and it's gonna carry you in a totally different way. So don't do anything, don't go anywhere. And he's underlying the importance and the need for their reliance upon the Holy Spirit. He's saying, don't rely upon yourself, you've come this far with me, but the only way that you're going further into all that I have for you is with the Holy Spirit's working. And essentially, Jesus is saying this, don't try and tackle the out there until you have power in here. Don't try and tackle the out there of life until you have power within, his life within you, transformative power at work in every part of who you are. And so let me pose this question to us today. Have you ever wondered why there are areas in your life where you feel stuck, where you feel like you're continually struggling, where you feel like you're not moving forward? Could it be that you have moved out before you've allowed the Holy Spirit to move within? There's no judgment and no condemnation. There's only an invitation in that statement. Could it be that you've moved out before you've allowed the Holy Spirit to move within? Because when you're allowing the breath, the wind of the Holy Spirit to not only breathe in you, but to carry you, let me tell you, whatever you're struggling with, whatever's binding you up and holding you down will have no power to compare to the wildness of the wind of the Spirit in your life. But we've got to allow Him to move within us. And so there's this challenge that comes, and Jesus is saying you need the Holy Spirit, you need the baptism of the Spirit, and you need to be ongoingly filled. It's not just the once-off thing, but every chance you get, you should be allowing the Holy Spirit to work in the depth of who you are, living waters overflowing. And when that happens, the first point I want to bring for us as a community is this. If we can go to the next slide. When that happens, you are empowered to be a witness. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, but you will receive power and ability. I love that. It's not just power. What do you do with power? But it's power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. So he gives them an instruction. He's saying, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't venture out in your own strength, but link to that instruction as a promise. And he says, you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And power in the Greek is this word dunamis. It's, it's the word dynamite. It's explosive. There's dynamic to it. And I know that doesn't bring or conjure up good thoughts for us here. We think, I don't know if I want explosive, destructive power in me. The beauty of the Holy Spirit in your life is he's, he doesn't bring, uh, it's not a weapon, that explosiveness of mass destruction, but a weapon of mass construction. What I mean by that is when he comes in your life with his power and dynamic, it builds you up, it edifies you, it, it lifts you, it establishes you, it forms you into all that God has called you to be. And so there's that forming and that construction happening in the inner part of who you are. And when we look at the Holy Spirit, he is continually being tied to being a witness. We always say, see that there's something about his coming that enables us and empowers us in our going. There's his coming and there's our going. There's the coming of the Spirit and there's the going of the church. And I love that it says to be a witness. It doesn't say he empowers you to witness. 
because then it comes about what I'm gonna do. But he empowers you to be a witness. It's this lifestyle of transformation that in itself is witnessing about the goodness, the grace, and the manifest heart of the Father through your life. There's something that he's doing through you that ministers to others. And we can maybe say, well, you know, but if I ask and I'm wanting the Holy Spirit just because it's power of his power and his enablement and his grace to be at work in me, isn't that a little bit self-absorbed? You know, isn't that just about my self-promotion? And I do want to say when the Holy Spirit is uh, alive and at work within us, that there is the benefit that comes personally because you are empowered to overcome. There's an overflowing that's taking place within you. But the beauty is the empowerment, the overcoming, the overflowing always witnesses to the glory of God. If you can put up the next slide, this is a better way to say it. The power of the Holy Spirit in you always results in God being glorified through you. The power of the Holy Spirit in you always results in God being glorified through you. So maybe if you're saying, but Lord, I'm not experiencing your glory being made evident and manifest in and through my life. I I just don't feel that you're being glorified through my life. Then maybe we need to go back and we need to say, Holy Spirit, I need you to, to do something fresh in me. I need you to form something within me that takes me out of the old and establishes me in the new. I need your dynamic and your power because you're recognizing something is missing. You see, the New Testament church, when they were in that upper room, they were utterly expectant and dependent on the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit. They were going nowhere. They were in a room, the doors were locked. They were like, this, this, we are not moving until the Holy Spirit comes. There was an utter expectation and dependency upon the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit. And we don't need to stay in an upper room and we're not waiting for a moment because you know what? There's the continual breath and wind of the Holy Spirit blowing upon us in every moment, that it's a now moment, it's a now thing. We just have to allow ourselves to be caught by the winds of the Spirit. And so the early church, they were expectant and dependent. They knew to do what they needed to do. They they had to have the Holy Spirit's empowerment, and it's the same for us. We cannot as individuals or as the church do what we need to do or accomplish what we need to accomplish, walk in the fullness of our destiny and calling, unless we are clothed in the Holy Spirit and his power. And here's the thing, to live without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, let me give you a picture. To live without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is like trying to cut down a forest with a Swiss army knife. It might seem great and you might feel like MacGyver, but nothing's gonna happen really quickly. It's like trying to sail across the Atlantic with a rake when you've got a sail and a hoist. And the question we would ask is, why would you live your life without the power of the Holy Spirit that's been promised to you and so generously given to you so that you can live in the grace and the driving presence of his life at work in you. And so the disciples are in the upper room, they're concerned for their lives, they know they're in danger, and then suddenly the wind of the Holy Spirit begins to blow and something takes place in Acts 2, one verse, uh, 2 verse one to four, let me read it. When the day of Pentecost had come, They were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing, violent wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were being distributed among them. And they rested upon each of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled, that is diffused throughout their being, 
with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, different languages, as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. It was in this moment that their sails were hoisted. They were receiving the promise that was being fulfilled where they were maybe unsure of what would happen and how it would happen. They knew this, it is happening. And not only did it happen to them, it happened to others because others started to run to the sound. If we read in Acts 2, five to six, it says, many godly Jews were in Jerusalem that day for the religious celebrations, having arrived from many nations. And when they heard the roaring in the sky above the house, crowds came running to see what it was all about. And they were stunned to hear their own languages being spoken by the disciples. You see, they were there, and they were there for religious feasts. They were there for traditional celebrations. They were there for all of those things. They were devout. And yet suddenly, they hear the sound that pulls them out of all of that that they would have been caught up with and draws them because it's a sound that carries the frequency of heaven. It's a sound that carries the activity of the Holy Spirit. And so they, they rush to this place. You see, when you are baptized in the Spirit, the beauty is this, not only do you know about it, but others can see it, they can experience it, and they can recognize God's grace working in and through your life. In Acts 2, we see the people were amazed. They had heard the message. They saw that there was power in this moment, and they started to run toward what God is doing. I wanna encourage us as a church to look beyond the Pentecost moment to what it means to live and uh, the Pentecostal fire of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. You see, in that moment, there was something happening in an upper room. And we can often think, no, I wanna be in that upper room moment. And we can think there was one thing happening, but really there was two things happening. Because even as something was happening in the upper room, something was happening somewhere else as well. Even as the Holy Spirit was moving in those in the room, stirring boldness and inspiration to go out and to share the good news, he was also working out in the streets where he was stirring questions and curiosity and hunger in hearts that people could hear what those that were in the upper room were gonna come and share. One group was being prepared to speak. Another group was being prepared to listen. One group was being prepared to share this gospel of love and grace. And other, another group was being prepared to receive it. And my encouragement for us here today is in these moments that we gather and we sense the presence of God and we sense the Holy Spirit moving and we know that he's working deeply within us. I wanna encourage you, even as he's working with us in this room, preparing us to share something, he's working with others that are in our lives that we're gonna to touch base with as we head out. Maybe it's friends or family or colleagues or coworkers or neighbors, who knows who it is. But even as you're being prepared with his presence that you've got something to share, there are others that are being prepared to receive what God is wanting to say to them. And so I wanna encourage you, dare to believe that those moments are divinely orchestrated for us to step into. And so we are empowered to witness, and the second thing is we are empowered to step forward. Empowered to step forward. We know that Peter was in the upper room and Peter had been in this place where he was terrified and he had been hiding away, but something shifts. Let's read Acts 2, 14 to 16. It says, and then Peter stepped forward, I love that. Why don't you say that with me? Step forward. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen all of you visitors and residents of Jerusalem alike. Some of you are saying these men are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk by 9 a.m. No, what you are seeing this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. 
You see, the, the power of the Holy Spirit's at work that's enabling them to step forward and beyond. As I mentioned, Peter before, he was denying Jesus. He was afraid of being ridiculed. He had anxiety that was going on. He was discouraged. He had allowed himself to be locked up in a room and locked away. And, and he just, uh, he lacked any discernible form of boldness, if you would have tried to define that in him in the previous moments. Yet something shifts in this moment as the Holy Spirit comes and it releases in them this empowerment to step forward so that they don't allow their current situation to dictate to their future movement. Something shifts. When the Holy Spirit comes and moves within you, He will not allow your current situation to dictate to your future movement. Because what starts to dictate to your future movement as you unfurl the sails is the leading, the breath, and the wildness of the wind. No one knows where it comes from, where it goes, but it's born of the breath of the divine. And so this is starting to happen in this moment. And there was no way that in their own strength they could have made it past the barriers of fear and worry on their own. But it was the presence and working of the Holy Spirit that does this within them. And the disciples are in the upper room and we know that they are in fear and anxiety. But when the wind comes, when they unhoist their sails and allow them to be unfurled so that they can catch the wind. What happens is it shifts them from a harbor of fear. That's where they've been in the upper room. And this harbor of fear, it shifts them from a harbor of fear to oceans of possibility. That's what happens in that moment, all through the divine working of the Holy Spirit and realizing I'm gonna allow the wildness of the wind, the presence of God, his breath to carry me forward and all that he has. And then the third thing is this, they weren't only empowered to witness, they weren't only empowered to step forward, but they were empowered with gifts. If we can read 1 Corinthians 12, four to six. It says, now there are varieties of spiritual gifts, special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers, but it is the same Spirit who grants them and empowers believers. And there are varieties of ministries and service but it is the same Lord who has served, and there are distinctive ways of working, but it's the same God who produces all things and all believers, inspiring, energizing, and empowering them. I'm gonna ask the worship team to, to come up because we're gonna finish with a moment of just uh, singing that song that we ended off with. But I, I, I wanna say, when we read this about the gifts, and we all love the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I, I wanna say, sometimes we allow the gifts of the Spirit just to overshadow the fruits of the Spirit. And we need to realize in Pentecost, there is, it's the both end. You see, the gifts of the Spirit demonstrate His powerful working, but the fruits of the Spirit demonstrate our deep relationship with Him. We are enriched by the fruit of the Spirit. We are empowered by the gifts of the Spirit, and both are equally important. You see, the Holy Spirit facilitates the gifts manifesting through our lives, and He forms the fruit that are being formed in our lives. And there's both that's needed. And so we need to demystify what this thing is about the gifts because sometimes we get this idea, it's all about the gifts and I'm God's man of power for the hour or whatever that terminology is that we sometimes hear. But here's the thing, gifts aren't anything that you can earn, gifts aren't anything that you can achieve in your own right, gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. There is none of us in this room that the Holy Spirit hasn't given a gift to that we get to embrace and we get to partake and participate in. But the beauty of why he does this can be found in 1 Corinthians 12 verse seven. And it says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. 
That's really what it means, so that the body can support the body. And then we can read, and it goes on in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, to speak about these gifts of wisdom and gifts of knowledge and gifts of administration and of healing, faith, miraculous uh, workings, uh, prophecy. There's all these gifts. And I don't want to go into all of that. What I want to encourage you is this. You have a part to play. We see Paul later refers to the body and that each part has value and supports um, every other part. Uh, this has been emphasized to me this week because that tick bit me on my little toe. And it's been sore to walk and my whole body has ached and uh, fevers and all that comes with it. But you know this, when, when the body comes into health, every part supporting and playing the role it's meant to uh, achieve, there's vitality, there's life, there's energy, there's capacity. And so here's the thing, each of us have a gift. I want to encourage you, get serious about what the Holy Spirit has distributed to you. And so why have you given this to me and how can I serve with it? Give me your wisdom and give me your empowerment so that I can not only live in your fullness, but that I can see your fullness come in and through my relationships and local church. Because for you to live out there, you need to be empowered in here. And you need to step into that place where you say, Father, I thank you that you've sent the helper. Thank you that you've sent your promise, the gift of your presence, your Holy Spirit. And I know that I can't catch the wind, but I know that I can unfurl the sails and be caught by the wind of your spirit. So I'm gonna ask us to stand and just as we finish, I'm gonna, we're gonna sing that song again about the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to take a moment where you unfurl the sails, where you say, I know I can't catch the wind, but I can be caught by it. I know that I can't contain the Holy Spirit, but I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know I can't tie him down, but I know that he can release me. I know that I can take the ropes off these sails and unfurl them so that I can catch the driving force of his presence and allow it and him to lead me where I need to go. I know I can spread out the wings of my spirit and experience the power of his currents and thermals that lift me to heights undreamed and unimagined that enable me to live a life of significance and impact. I know that I can't catch, but I can be caught. So I just want to ask you in this time of worship, just unfurl, spread wide the, the wings of your spirit. Allow yourself to be caught by the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit breathing in this place today.